I'm Stephen Morrissey, Managing Editor of the New England Journal of Medicine, and I'm talking with David Radley, Senior Health Policy Analyst at the Institute for Healthcare Improvement in Cambridge, Massachusetts. Dr. Radley has co-authored a perspective article on a recent study of geographic variation in quality and access in healthcare. Dr. Radley, geographic variations in health and healthcare have been the focus of research for two decades. What are some of the take-home lessons from this research? Well, first I'd like to just say what a pleasure it is to be here. Thank you for the invitation. How can I summarize a quarter century of research in just a few sentences? Um, probably the most important point for me is the fact that, that variations in health and in healthcare and healthcare quality even exist. And sometimes these, these variations are quite staggering. Sometimes these variations can reflect the underlying disease burden uh, um, or the epidemiology of a disease, but much more often they reflect uh, idiosyncrasies in local practice patterns and payment systems that, that value uh, volume over healthcare quality. Most of what we know about uh, geographic variations in healthcare come from studying the Medicare population. And this is in large part because of the, the data that's available on the Medicare population. Large administrative claims databases allow us to look you know, pretty granularly at, at the types of care that, that Medicare beneficiaries receive. But this research has demonstrated quite convincingly that higher spending does not always uh, translate into better outcomes or better care experiences for, for patients. More recently, there's been uh, increased attention on studying variations in the commercially insured population and learning what we can about uh, the, the under 65 population. There's been some new work that uses Medicare Part D data to look at variations in prescribing, uh, in prescribing practices. And there's been much more attention recently on how local market dynamics, you know, the roles of, of insurance providers and of local uh, healthcare providers, how these are, are impacting healthcare quality and healthcare costs. Even though our, the breadth of research and our understanding of geographic variations has evolved over time, I think one thing has remained constant, and that, that geographic variations are almost always a sign that there's room for improvement, that great quality and great value can be achievable. But there's always work to be done to make sure that, that, that high-value healthcare is being provided every time and in every place. Your recent Commonwealth Fund report found regional variation in access to care and in quality. You looked at health indices across hospital referral regions rather than state averages. What was new about that, and what did you find? Sure. Well, the, the Commonwealth Fund has been producing or sponsoring these health system scorecards since about 2006 as part of the charge of its commission on a high-performing health system. We've looked at, at scorecards at the national and state levels, and, and when we've done that, when, we, when we've released these reports, we find that there's a demand for, for data that's much more granular than nationally or at the state level, for example. I mean, after all, healthcare is delivered locally and in communities. People want to better understand what's going on with within their own communities in regards to uh, health and healthcare. So in our newest report, Rising to the Challenge, which we call the Local Scorecard, we look at performance in four dimensions across 300 local healthcare markets that span the entire country. We look at access to care. These include measures of insurance and affordability, prevention and treatment. These are measures of technical quality of care. We look at avoidable hospital use and cost. These are, are measures like readmission rates and, and the use of potentially avoidable use of emergency rooms. And our Healthy Lives dimension tracks health outcomes and measures of population health. And we find staggering variations between, between parts of the country on many, many indicators within these dimensions. We find that people's ability to access care, the timeliness of their care and the effectiveness of that care, the quality of care that they receive, their healthcare experiences and health outcomes and costs all differ 
uh, between communities across the country. Sometimes we even see two to threefold variations between the top and bottom performing areas on, on core indicators of health system performance. We see strong geographic patterns. Uh, areas in the mid upper Midwest and Northeast tend to perform well overall, while areas in the South and along the Gulf Coast tend to lag, but this does vary somewhat by dimension. We find that dimensions of health system performance are related with uh, places that perform well on access, they also tend to perform very well in our prevention and treatment domains and, and, and in our healthy, life, healthy lives domain. And finally, we find that there's opportunities for improvement in all communities. There were no communities that ranked among the top on all, on all 43 indicators in the scorecard. And reducing differences between, between regions on these core indicators of health system performance can help raise all communities up to a higher level of care. So you found variations within states as well as between states. Can the differences be explained by socioeconomic status or are there other factors involved? Well, there's no doubt that socioeconomic factors such as income and, and whether or not a person lives in poverty or their education or their employment, th these all impact health system performance. Uh, there's been a great deal of, of research on this. Um, and the findings in our scorecard support that past research. Um, regions with very high poverty rates tend to have lower overall health system performance. While people in these places are more often uninsured, they more often lack a, a regular source of care, they more frequently go without care because of cost, and they more frequently experience poor, out, poor health outcomes such as premature death, high infant mortality, and poor health-related quality of life. But what's also clear from our data is that socioeconomic factors are not the only thing that matter. And yes, I think there are other factors, such as the way that local health systems are structured and the way that they interface with the communities that they serve. Those things make a big difference. You know, we find HRRs with relatively high poverty rates that perform well overall, or at least certainly better than might be expected. And we find also that there are high income areas that perform near the bottom of the distribution on many health system indicators. You know, from, from the data that we have, it, it's difficult to pinpoint exactly what's going on in these communities. You know, what makes a, a, a low-income community perform really well on some indicators and a high-income community perform relatively poorly? You know, we, we can't pinpoint that exactly. I think this is an area that, that warrants more work. But certainly, these, th these factors point to the role that the healthcare system and the way that that healthcare system is structured. As you say, much previous research was based on Medicare data. Your study goes beyond that and looks at other publicly available data. Can you describe the way that your scorecard was developed? Sure. Well, well I think that our ability to combine data from such a wide variety of, of sources is really one of the key contributions that our, rep that our report makes. You know, Medicare data, for reasons we've, is fantastic for studying geographic variation because it's available as such granular uh, of observation. But I think relying so heavily on Medicare data has also given us a, a relatively narrow view of geographic variation. So we wanted to draw from a much broader, a much broader data set when we, when we built the scorecard. We look at data from the census, specifically the American Community Survey. We look at data from the CDC. You know, we look at the Behavioral Risk Factor Surveillance System, we look, and we look at vital statistics data. For Medicare, we take data from their publicly reported COMPARE projects, Hospital COMPARE, Nursing Home COMPARE, and Home Health COMPARE, as well as clinical assessment data from, uh, from the minimum data set and from the OASIS data file. And we look at um, insurance claims for Medicare beneficiaries. And we also look at uh, insurance claims from a commercially insured population. And we bring all of these different data sources together um, in, in a really unique way to help tell the story about what's going on 
in these smaller geographic regions. Um, you know, the data that we have looks at uh, different age groups. We're not limited to the Medicare population. We, we can look at, at, at adults under age 65 in some of our data sources. We can look at the healthcare experience of people with insurance and without insurance. Medicaid beneficiaries are included in some of our data sources, although we, we don't have the ability on any of our data sources to pull the Medicaid beneficiaries out explicitly. And, some of, and our data also supports looking at, um, at the healthcare experience for people of different racial and ethnic backgrounds. To assess performance, we scored each region on, four, on 43 indicators of performance that span the, the four dimensions that I've already noted, access to care, prevention and treatment, avoidable hospital use and cost, and healthy lives. Each region was scored relative to the, to the HRR at the top one percentile for that measure to come up with an indicator score. And then indicator scores were averaged to come up with a dimension score. Dimension scores were combined to come up with our, our measure of overall health system performance. And in our report, we focused most of our results in terms of quartiles of performance. We acknowledge that differences in performance that we can observe are for for areas that rank very closely to one another probably aren't that meaningful. So in other words, uh, the HRR that ranks number 10 probably isn't that different from the HRR that ranks number 11 or even number 15, but we are pretty sure that the region that ranks number 10 is quite different from the place that ranks number 50 or number 100 or number 200, you know, et cetera. So by focusing on quartiles of performance, we're allowed, we, we enable ourselves to, to look at these big groups of, of regions and, and have a little bit more confidence that the difference in health system performance between these regions are more meaningful. You found what you describe as a strong and persistent association between access and healthcare quality. How do variations in the percentage of patients who are insured play into that? Well, without a doubt, I think having, having affordable health insurance that provides adequate financial protection from the high cost of healthcare is absolutely essential. And this plays out a couple of ways in our data. In the scorecard, we found that HRRs with better performance and access also tended to do better on, on other quality measures. I mean, this makes sense. It doesn't matter how good the healthcare is where you live. If you can't get in the door, you can't receive high quality healthcare. We build on these findings in our perspective by looking at differences in care that people with insurance get compared to people without insurance. And as we might expect, we find that people with health insurance have much greater ability to access care and they tend to get more comprehensive care than their uninsured counterparts. For example, about 9% of people with insurance report having foregone care in the last year because of cost compared to 47% of people who don't have insurance. Similarly, about half of insured individuals receive age and gender appropriate preventive screening, such as tests for, for breast cancer and colon cancer in an annual flu shot, compared to only about a quarter of those who lack insurance. But as, ins as important as insurance is, insurance alone may not be enough. Even among the insured, we still find wide gaps between, between communities in the proportion of people that receive high quality care. So for example, the proportion of, adu of adults who report having a usual source of care ranged from 73% in the lowest rate HRR to 97% in the highest rate HRR. While the, while the proportion of insured diabetics who received appropriate preventive care to manage their disease, such as the, the appropriate blood glucose testing and eye and foot exams, ranged from just 28% in the lowest rate HRR to over 70% in the highest rate HRR. Your findings also argue that in areas with a high proportion of uninsured residents, the quality of care is poorer even for insured residents. Why do you think that is? Well, well others have, have 
research this phenomenon more intensely than we have. But the basic idea here is that when more people in a community lack insurance, there's less aggregate demand for high quality care. And this can spill over, affecting the healthcare quality that all people in the community, even the insured, affecting the quality of care that they receive. So I think, I think health insurance expansions that are enacted as part of the ACA will help. But there are also important other provisions in the ACA that will help too. For example, cost barriers for receiving certain types of preventive care are dramatically reduced, making these services essentially free for most people. And of course, new payment models that are being tested as a result of the ACA that push local healthcare systems to be accountable in new ways and, and new ways to push healthcare systems to better coordinate care between settings. These will all help to improve the quality of care that people receive. As you suggest, beyond coverage expansion, the Affordable Care Act institutes other changes that may help to lessen geographic variation in care. Given the scorecard findings, which initiatives do you think hold the most promise? Well, I've mentioned a few already. I think insurance expansions are, are going to go a long way to help level the playing field. Uh, a, a strong focus on preventive care will get people in the door and allow us to identify disease early and, and treat that disease when treatment costs are, are, are lower. You know, the push toward better care coordination and expanding the role of patient-centered medical homes is going to go a long way to, to improve the quality for, for, for we, we certainly believe. And, and changes in payment to encourage more health system accountability and to start paying for value rather than volume. I think all of these have a great deal of potential. Beyond the Affordable Care Act, what else do you think can be done to improve access and quality? Well, I, I do think that we need to start with access being the foundation and the Affordable Care Act uh, goes a long way to ensure that's going to happen. But places that consistently stand out for, for being high performers they, they have a few things in common. They've, they've all seemed to embrace innovation in delivery system design um, and in delivery system redesign. When things aren't working, they, these systems find new ways of doing things that do work. Health systems need to have the capacity to act on emerging evidence and on, on best practices and on standards of care. There needs to be greater transparency of health information um, all payer claims databases that are coming online in, in many states across the country will help. They're necessary but not sufficient. But, but having a better understanding, being able to answer simple questions like how much does healthcare cost for everyone in our community are going to go a long way to improving access and improving quality. And finally, we see that health system leaders, they, they need to be willing to collaborate with each other as well as work with other community stakeholders, such as policymakers and, and bi local business leaders, for example, to think more broadly outside of the traditional health care system, but think more about population health uh, and think about how engaging the community can, can reduce costs and, and enhance patient care experiences. Thank you, Dr. Radley.